0: We recently had the chance to take the podcast on location. One of those stops was Stanford, Connecticut to the Tomo headquarters, where I interviewed their CEO, Greg Schwartz. Greg is a longtime industry leader and innovator. In this episode, we talk about his entrepreneurial journey, real estate predictions, and of course, Texas. Welcome to the show. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was your story. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're here in your office in Stanford. Where yes. are you from originally?
1: Um, I like to call myself an American, a North American. We <laughs> okay. we moved around a little bit. Uh, so I grew up as a kid in New Jersey, uh, in a little town in New Jersey. And then my dad got transferred to Montreal, Canada. Oh, wow. And I went to high school in Canada. Then, you know, we're ardent, ardently from the States. Yeah. Uh, and then college in, in, in a little school in upstate New York called Hamilton okay. College. Um, and, uh, what city was that in, in upstate New York? Clinton, New York. So not too far from Syracuse. The yeah. Of Syracuse. Yeah. I went to school in Ithaca That's and right.
0: you're familiar with the brutal winters then.
1: They are that.
0: I know. It's just no fun.
1: When it still snowed a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah. Brutal winters. Yes. So you went to school there and then how did you end up getting in the real estate industry?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'd like to say I graduated college with a strategic plan, followed each point, um, but that's not true. Um, I you know was a first generation uh, uh, internet person, so I'm really an yeah. internet, internet entrepreneur, internet guy. Yeah. Um, Out of college, I worked on one of the first ad campaigns on the internet. It makes me sound uh, vintage. I'm not. (laughs) The best is ahead. Uh, I worked on one of the first uh, ad campaigns on AOL ever. Oh, wow. Um, A guy was working on a campaign at the desk next next to me at an ad agency, and I fell in love with the internet. Um, And started working on some of the definitive tech products. So, AltaVista, if you remember that search engine, was one of my first marketing campaigns I I worked on as a young kid out of college. And there's a real scarcity of of folks, of business people, of marketers, Mm -hmm. of sales people, of producers, of product folks that understood internet technology, this movement. It was new. Yeah. And so, it launched my career forward a decade quicker than it probably would have because there just weren't a lot of folks that understood uh-huh. the World Wide Web and HTTP and the yeah. protocols and yeah. who were interested in, in in targeted advertising. So that was my original onboard to an, a career. Mm-hmm. wasn't directly into real estate. It, it, it was in starting internet companies. Um, uh, I happened to have – my dad was a land developer, uh, so I had okay. dirt under my fingers yeah. <laughs> uh, in a different way than we practice it now, right? Right. Uh, it, it was about, you know, getting some debt, buying some land, spending 10 years, 15 years trying to get it permitted mm-hmm. and lotted. Um, so as a kid, I kind of saw that, and I'd always had it in, 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 in my blood. Yeah, uh, I was running a business, it's a little bit controversial now, but I don't know why, but I was running part of CNN.com, mm-hmm. the, the news website, um, and my friends Lloyd and Rich had founded Zillow, and came a calling and asked me to take a 80% pay cut, <laughs> commute from New York City with a young family to Seattle twice a month. Oh, gosh. And uh, dedicate my life to making real estate agents successful. And I said, hell no, the first time. <laughs> and a little kind of crazy story, I, one of our businesses at, at CNN, at Time Warner, was Fortune Magazine. Mm -hmm. And right after saying, what? I can't take an 80% pay cut and eat ramen noodles or whatever. And with a young family in New York City, the next week, Fortune magazine put Zillow on the cover of Fortune magazine. It was one of my businesses. Mm -hmm.
0: And it was a sign. And so I
1: took their (laughs) phone call again and flew out to Seattle and fell in love with the notion that uh, among so many categories of the internet – there already was a clear customer centric, industry loved player like Amazon and books or Expedia and travel mm-hmm. and real estate. Well, realtor.com was still around. It hadn't really found its way yeah. or had lost its way at the time. Uh, and I thought the, the notion of being able to take Zillow and figure out how to scale the audience and partner with realtors that was always my plan for mm-hmm. the business model. And and partner with realtors and, and build the leading category player was very attractive to me. Yeah, so you took a pay
0: cut and you were commuting. Yes. So in the beginning, you were still living in New York City and traveling out to
1: Seattle for the first year and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My wife had a had an awesome gig in the magazine business. Those are those old things that yeah. <laughs> people don't use anymore. We I still kind of read them, but <laughs> yeah. less frequently. Yeah. My wife was at I think People Magazine at the time and had a big job, and we were trying to support both these careers. Mm-hmm. And it was until we really had to commit to Zillow that, that that we decided to move to Seattle. Okay. And now you have
0: more kids. At the time, you had one. That's right. Now you have... You're well-researched. Well, we've talked before too, but yeah. I think you have a couple kids. Yeah. And you're back here on the East Coast. That's right. Now, you've had a pretty successful career and jobs that are super time-consuming. What do you like to do outside your professional life?
1: Yeah. So we were talking about a little bit about this before we got on. Um, Some folks are able to do lots of things at the same time and fracture their attention and still keep it all in order. I'm not. Uh, I tend to do one or two things with great intensity and great follow up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I work. Family and for fun, um, I'm a mountain guy. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm either in a field um, or on a mountain skiing. Or okay. Have that's you bought your uh, ski pass for this year? I haven't. I okay. haven't. Which should I buy? Well, when should you buy? I know which should I buy.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I always yeah. buy the Icon Pass.
1: Yeah. But I was going to ask you if you're an Icon Pass or an Epic Pass guy. Yeah. It's funny. It, it lines up. So anyone that knows me knows I'm I'm a pretty avid, dedicated. Um, almost compulsive skier. It, it depends on where the trips are, um, and we're going to one of the. We're we're spending a lot of time at a at an. I don't know if I want to say the mountain. I don't oh. want more people to go, but oh. we spent a lot of time in in a little town called Nelson, British Columbia. Okay. At a hill called Whitewater, and they don't accept any passes. Oh wow! Uh, so do you they, just buy a ticket each day for fifty five dollars. Yeah. Remember the day when it was I a fifty five dollar ticket? Yeah. yeah. And so we buy a fifty-five dollar ticket, and we ski in this very hard-to-reach mountain town. Yeah, that's part of the charm of it. It is.
0: I grew up skiing, and I recall like the forty-dollar ticket. I think that's it's right. still like I think it's eighty dollars now. Ah,
1: uh, hundred and fifty. Yeah, 150. In
0: my small town.
1: Do you ski yeah. out here on the East Coast at all? We do on occasion. We okay. do on occasion. Uh, up in Vermont, uh, which is lovely and green and and uh, and hearty.
0: Okay, Hardy. Does that mean icy? Yeah. Okay. It's a kind word for icy. <laughs> okay. I don't want the Vermont lobby. to come Sure, back I haven't, I haven't um, skied Vermont, but it is beautiful. I've been there for for weddings. Well, so you 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 have a pretty active career life. We talked about, and you were working at Zillow for quite some time. What inspired you to start a mortgage company?
1: Yeah, um, the team and I, and it's really what inspired us because uh, we're we're I'm a team guy. Um, like really complicated, difficult, big challenges. Uh-huh. Our time at Zillow was coming to an end. Um, I'd been there for close to thirteen years and was getting cranky. And in <laughs> and, and, you know, I believe 10, 15 years, and you probably your ideas are probably getting a little stale. And it's time to let a next generation of exec run it. And the, the bench is, is quite deep there. Yeah. Um so it was time for me to get out of the way and think about what was next. And I felt like I had unfinished business in real estate. I feel like at the last company, we'd fixed or addressed search and find Mm -hmm. for homes. Yeah. Um, But the core experience of buying a home still causes consumers (laughs) and their agents, as you well know, a (laughs) whole lot of pain. And where there is deep consumer pain, a high-priced item or transaction—this is the highest-priced transaction housing— and not a clear leader that's one a vertical. Can you see the pattern mm-hmm. yeah. from, from entering real estate at Zillow to now this mortgage thing? You know, there are folks that have some market share, but no one touches 10% market share in this massive category. Wow. So there's the ability for a massive, multi-generational hmm. public company that delights real estate agents and the consumers they serve yeah. by actually fixing this darn transaction. And that's why we started this unbelievable build. Mm-hmm. And it's a difficult one. It's a regulated product. And there's fierce competitors. Yeah. And there's old legacy systems. And everyone's got an opinion. But everyone agrees that 35 days from application to close <laughs> a home transaction is outrageous. Yeah. And it shouldn't be this way. So we're going to be the ones that solve it. That, that is very inspiring. Yeah. My teammates so
0: you saw the challenge, and that was the inspiration mm-hmm. for it. It is amazing to say thirty-five days, like because consumers are used to like, hey, I want a ping pong table, and they order it, and it's there the next day at their house, and they can, sure. can't quite do it with the car anymore, but they can still get it fast. And then they want to buy a house, and you're like, well, we're going to this. This is going to be a while, and they're like, but my lease is up in a week. Well, <laughs> you got yeah. to extend it because and it's going to take a while.
1: And then, by the way because your income documents don't qualify you in this federal standard that you don't understand and the person serving you, mm-hmm. the loan officer might not entirely understand, by the way, or be quoting properly to you, you might actually be delayed 5 or 10 days. The you know the average closing, or, or somewhere around 35% of closings, miss their initial close date. That's one-third,
0: more than. One-third, and yeah. it causes
1: folks a lot of pain. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna yeah. eliminate that. Yeah, that's, that's that's not right.
0: Yeah, it's the regulation, and I had no idea that the mortgage industry was so fractured. When you say nobody even has close to ten percent, yeah, yeah, that's on an the, interesting stat.
1: The, yeah, in the height of the refi business, which is a simpler affair, mm-hmm. um, Rocket was getting close to it, but in purchase mortgages, no one tops ten. Wow. Uh, and so there's some folks in the high single digits, but that is a that is a big opportunity for us, right? Um, and we've been at it for close to three years, and uh, our greatest point of pride for this company is is our net promoter scores. I know we've talked about yeah NPS before, which is will your customer who just worked with you recommend you to their friends, family, peers? Mm-hmm. And it's called your promoters, and you subtract your detractors, yeah. and it gives you a score. Our NPS among agents is 93. It's among the highest of any operator in the nation. And in the 80s, among consumers. And uh, that beats most ardent players, like yeah. the Rocket guys, by 10 or 20 points. What do you think some of the, the
0: reasons are for that?
1: Yeah, um, a militant a built militant people culture okay. that uh, feels shame feel shame. Uh, every time a customer experience is delayed, and we've only lo- missed a handful of, mm-hmm. of, of closing timelines ever, among thousands and thousands of customers served, it's a mo- moment of shame that goes all the way to the CEO, the co-founders, and we pull it apart and we figure out where we missed. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whose accountability or fault it is, at the end of the day, we got to own it. Yeah. Whether or not someone sent us the documents we needed to get it done on time... Doesn't matter, we still own it and we pull it apart and we pursue it like it is our purpose. Yeah. Um, and it's not about the money, the transaction. The real estate transaction is a big enough transaction that only a dummy can't figure out how to make money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's secondary mm-hmm. the margin consideration, the fees, how you load it up. That's secondary. And first is, can you build an exceptional experience that you can replicate over and over and over again and delight agents and home buyers? And if you can, you build a great company. Right. And if you can't, you should disappear.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that maybe should take care of disappearing. Let's, let's help <laughs> <hope> them <and> disappear. <laughs> no, I won't name names. But, yeah, it's tricky. Oh, name and, names. It'd no, be really fun. I mean, the, um, the customer experience in mortgage is just overdue for what you guys are trying to do right now.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We think so. We think so.
0: So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is you were at Zillow as president and now you're CEO of Tomo. How do you see tech influencing the real estate industry?
1: Yeah. um, Tech's influencing everything in society. Uh, The way we communicate, uh, uh, the way we um, review data, documents, the way we search for information. But it hasn't replaced this yearning for connection. Yeah. And to date, I don't have a agent avatar or a loan officer avatar that gives me the feeling of safety and expertise. The warm and yummies. I'm not calling Siri to say, "Hey, is this the right home for me to buy? Am I overpaying? Mm-hmm. Um, that crack in the foundation? Should I be worried about it?" <laughs> you know, as much as our industry has changed, the real estate industry by technology. There's a commonality, which is, this is an infrequent transaction, Mm -hmm. where people, home buyers are risking, it's a high risk transaction, for mistakes.
0: Yeah, mistakes can be very costly.
1: Very costly in capital and their finances, but also in their sense of safety and pride. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cost associated with getting expert advice, proven to be well worth it for most consumers. Mm -hmm. It's why for sale by owners have hung around at less than 5% of listings for 30 years, Yeah, right? Most folks are, are, regardless of the reconstruction of how it occurs, want the human connection of someone advocating for them, however it's organized. So then how do we lay technology? Technology is supposed to take out the recurring unpleasant tasks associated with buying a home and make those less expensive and easier on all the practitioners, whether it be an agent, a loan officer, Mm -hmm. title agent, or or the home buyer, and allow us to find the things that bring us joy and where we add value. I think that was pretty wordy, but like Mm -hmm. connection from people and advice from people and safety from people and technology is supposed to make us more productive and Kind of take out the grind. Does mm-hmm. that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, you're basically reducing some of the friction points with technology. Yeah. And why am at Compass? And one of our things at Compass has been how do we make agents more productive? Like how can we leverage the company, it have the technology, to make an agent more efficient, but still service the customer? It was never about eliminating the agent. It was about how does the agent become more efficient? You and you're saying the same thing for a loan officer. How do you, how do you
1: make oh. them give the advice? And, and also for a consu- for a customer, yeah. like, hey, in the old days, not so long ago, still in some states, you couldn't digital signature <laughs> your, your closing docs. You know, you had the big stack of yeah. docs and you were signing them all yeah. <laughs> and you didn't know what you were signing. You had no time with it. And... It was unnerving. Um, you remember those days? Oh,
0: yeah, I'm, I was thinking, am I in that state? Because most people are still signing on paper, but I think yeah. it's because their lenders require them. Yeah, not because the, the state of Texas yeah. requires them. That's
1: to. A, that's a that's a choice of uh, a service provider to drive disorder and discomfort. Yeah. Those are the kind of things that we exist to eliminate. But DocuSign, for example, one of the more prominent mm-hmm. digital signature companies, has been more disruptive. It had more impact on the real estate closing transaction than yeah. almost any company because yeah. we're away from the fax machine and the, the FedEx bag. Yeah, And that's what technology is supposed to do for us, to take yeah. away the friction, the mm-hmm. unpleasantness.
0: I'm laughing about the DocuSign because I recently met with some sellers who are looking for a new agent to sell their house. And they're like, are you going to be able to facilitate us signing digitally? And I was like... Um, Yeah, like I'm really hoping we're not (laughs) going to be signing on paper. Like, well, our current agent requires us to sign everything on paper. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, no, no. (laughs) I'm not driving out here to bring you paper to sign that it can be done online. You can sign it on your phone, wherever you want to be. And they're traveling. So they're like,
1: great, we'll do it there. It's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. It doesn't need to be.
0: We have a listing that's the reverse, though, that it's an older seller right now. And he doesn't have the technology. He signs everything on paper. So we're like, how are we going to be able to optimize this? That's his for, right. It's right. his right. right. And right. if he wants it, that's cool. But it's like, how are yeah. we going to optimize this for the buyer that's going to come to our listing? Like, how can we make it easy for them? Because they're going to have to wait. You know, now the decision, something like simple like that, the decision process has been shortened because you can receive the offer on email. You can review it with the client right away and they can sign and, and be under contract. Yep, it's we're efficient like, for you. We're going to have to set expectations with the potential buyers on this property that it might be a four-day decision period while he drives
1: back to Texas to review offers. Yep. Hey, we, we've got a, a software system, which we, I think the nickname of it is Iron Man. I think it's symbolic of what a lot of us are trying to do with uh-huh. enterprise software is, uh, or B2B software, is, I think of the movie, did you ever see the movie Iron Man? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, so Tony Stark. Yep. Think of Tony, probably a very capable person, uh, if he wasn't in a suit, uh-huh. a billionaire or a fictitious billionaire. Um but gets in the suit and he's a superhero. He's able to do much more, much more quickly. That's what we're trying to do with the software we're building is to amplify all the people around us. And that's my vision for technology and software for real estate agents as well, mm-hmm. is over the coming 5, 6, 10 years, technology can take a great real estate agent, allow them to be ever more efficient mm-hmm. and almost be in that superhero suit and serve their customers better. I'll give you a, a neat example. Um, we've got a, a call center here of, of uh, InSight Sales Associates that work yeah. with customers and sometimes talk about home search. And all the time we get these amazing questions from customers uh, about these very niche, I, I want a cabin on a mountain <laughs> uh, uh, with 10 acres And uh, that I want to spend less than (laughs) $350,000 as a mortgage company. And we get questions like that. Can you help me find it? And we say, well, here's a real estate agent to help you. But um, we've built a a search automation where our folks could enter that search query in. And uh, we've got a bot that effectively is going out and recommending listings back to that teammate in real time. And it's not just a traditional query. It's there's 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 an element of intelligence to right. it that's recommending to people on the phone talking to a customer in real time to be oh, able that's to really cool. respond in kind without having to peck around and lose all their time. Yeah, to go to that's the search. A, yeah. That's a superhero kind of thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah.
0: Are you a real estate agent listening to this podcast? Our team is growing. To find out more about joining a fun, service-minded team, go to HastingsRE.com slash careers. That's haistingsr com slash careers. That's one of the things that I want to talk specifically about Tomo is that's one way you're changing the industry. What are some other things you're doing around changing the mortgage industry? Speed. Speed.
1: Speed. We want to get folks... Um, uh, to a decision on whether we can underwrite their mortgage, whether mm-hmm. we can do their mortgage faster than anyone else. Okay. And what speed requires is very precise systems, very good data that comes on in, and then ultimately very savvy folks um, in a studied system who can look at these the sets of inc- credit, income and assets. That's what basically yeah. we're looking at at a mortgage company. We're looking at your credit, your income, your assets, and then that the collateral, the house you intend to buy. Yep and making sure it matches that you're likely to repay it using generally federal standards mm-hmm. for how to judge that. Well, that can be done much more quickly than it is today. It requires us to rethink, in a first principle sense, why we do what we do and how we do it and what order we do it in. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a little example. Okay, An underwriter, which is like this most esteemed role in a mortgage company, it's someone that knows all the standards for various loans, mm-hmm. looks at someone's income, their credit income, their asset, you know, their, their finances, and then makes sure that they match the standard of the loan, right? Yeah. And, and they often sit in a dark room in their house, <laughs> unbothered, <laughs> in <hopefully>, their basement <laughs> uh, or in a lovely room, yeah. but it's such intensive work and then they do what they condition a loan. They actually write all the questions, the conditions Mm -hmm. about a loan, and they send it back to the customer, often in little drips that make them and their agent crazy. I always thought it was a backwards process. Question after question after question. And they send them these things, and they're handwriting those things in a system, custom writing them, and they send them out. So in our version of Ironman, we saw, hey, about a thousand conditions or questions are very common. They're on 80% of our Mm -hmm. loans. Right. And then about 20% of the questions are custom. Yeah. So we've built it in automation. Sure, you could call it AI. We just call it an automation. It yeah. <laughs> looks at credit income asset and collateral data mm-hmm. and puts it against a scheme, a set of questions or A, B questions, and then recommends 80% of the qu- questions or conditions to our underwriter. And they just go, yes, 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 yes. And the automation writes it for them. Okay, So they're able to s- to go through a compliant underwriting process in minutes, what took them hours before, and they usually can get a group of questions back to the customer and their agent in an hour or two, what took days of back in s- mm-hmm. force. That's the example of how we're starting to try to drive speed in the mortgage process. That's a very inside baseball kind of thing. Yeah. But by using AI, by using automation, we're starting to be able to get fewer questions, more accurate, consistently written to customers and their agents, like in near real time, that takes the stress out of this process. Because a faster decision and faster questions, still quite high quality, Mm -hmm. leads to an answer earlier. It reduces the anxiety that you know that all buyers have, which is, is this gonna work out? Am I gonna protect my earnest money? It's really important stuff, right? Yeah.
0: You know, I hate to say it, but I think the mortgage is the most stressful part of the buying process. Yeah. I'd like to think shopping with houses for, you know, for houses with me is fun. And usually it is. People are seeing beautiful houses, they're figuring out what they want. The contract is, you know, it's a standard form and it can be easily explained. And then when they're under contract, many lenders, it's like, oh, now the stress starts. (laughs) But it doesn't have to be.
1: Yeah.
0: And 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 it won't be. Yeah. Well, I remember when we met a couple of years ago, that was one of the things I said I'd love to see is more speed. And I love hearing you're still working on it. And I've consistently seen, as we've worked with you guys, yeah. like lower, lower turnaround times.
1: Yeah, we, we went from application to close in 12 days the other day. It was uncomfortable and unpleasant uh-huh. for everyone involved, but we got it done. Yeah. And it's someone that had been declined by a few lenders for a variety of reasons that was totally approvable. And they got to us to really close to closing date. Mm-hmm. And the team said, we'll give it our best try. And they were able to get, get it done, um, which, which is quite gratifying.
0: I think that's what makes it more impressive in 12 days, too, is it was somebody that was already – it was a complicated one if yep. other people couldn't do it. Yep. If it was easy, they would have done it. You bet. Yeah. Well, nice work. Thanks. As a leader in the mortgage industry, what's the most common mistake you're seeing from home buyers?
1: Yep. Yep. Hate there's a much wider breadth of mortgage products that exist than most folks comprehend. And and I'll give you some examples. You know, we're all very sensitive to relatively higher interest rates yeah. in the sevens than we've become accustomed to. There are a variety of ways to bring down that interest rate. If you've got a loan officer who has a wide breadth of products that they can sell, and they know those products, Mm-hmm. And we've got a customer matched to a loan officer. More frequently than not, I see home buyer shop rate, not mortgage program. Yeah. And I'll be crass, that's a sucker's play. Okay. When you go on the internet and you see a low headline <laughs> yeah. rate, yeah. <laughs> we were working through this with a customer yesterday. They saw a low headline rate. That lender happened to have them in a conventional product which wasn't the right product for them, and they had points on it. So the interest rate was six, seven, five, or something mm-hmm. bordering on on below seven, but they had thousands of dollars of points and they were in the wrong product. That individual happened to have been a veteran. Mm. In, on a conventional loan, wow. In a conventional loan, because they were talking to someone that didn't have a VA loan product and they'd shopped right off the headline, and they just weren't that savvy. And it's there's yeah. no shame in it. We're not, we ought not have to be mortgage bankers. <laughs> there's enough mortgage bankers out there. And so, we go to great, great efforts um, to have virtually every product now um, that is reasonable under the sun. Our team now has, and our team's pretty well trained in it. And our online tools now also path people to the right products. Okay. And so it's not so much trial and error like it used to be. But if you were to say, what's the, the biggest error folks make is they shop rate right, without an understanding of fees, both points and the underlying lender fees. The mm-hmm. average lender's throwing in $2,000 of, of fees Easily. in a mortgage, and that comes at a closing cost, right? Yeah. So we don't do any lender fees here. We just have a headline rate. Borrower decides if they want points or not. That's a financial decision based on how long they expect to be in the house. Yeah. That we guide them through, and then we're putting them in the right product. And I'll give you another fun example here in Connecticut. We're in Connecticut today. We've got a state program for cops, for police officers. Oh, that's great. In teachers, that will get them up to three quarters of a percentage point lower rate than conventional. Wow. I see lots of teachers and police officers buying houses without knowing they're eligible for a rate that will save them hundreds of dollars a month because they're working with a lender that isn't approved in this product here called Chaffa. Okay. So we're trying to get the word out on these interesting niche products for first-time home buyers, for police officers, for teachers, state by state, that can save people ultimately tens of thousands of dollars.
0: Yeah. So the, the mistake you're talking about really is not getting in the right program.
1: That, that's the most or frequent the, thing we they chomp
0: the Yeah. And that's a choice, I guess, too, about choosing the wrong lender if they're just somebody who's, like, who's going to
1: turn out whatever they can give them. You've got to find someone you trust that someone recommends uh, or that has a wide breadth of product and you get on the phone with and they seem sensible and reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the key.
0: You touched on this a little bit. And I think first time home buyers right now are scared because mm-hmm. rates are in the seven, seven and a half.
1: What are some specific tools a buyer could use? Yeah. So, hey, the federal government. Um, you know, gets kicked around a lot, but they do some pretty good things in housing. Um, the federal government is trying to help first time home buyers get into homes. We know it's how most folks build wealth yeah. is through home ownership. So there are a number of programs for first time home buyers both in targeted areas and in general general areas that can reduce a headline rate by a half percentage point. Okay. Up to a half percentage point. So um, that's always what I want a first time home buyer to be thinking about is MINFTHB and am I in a first time home buyer mortgage product that's specific to me that I'm qualified okay. for that that would be check one and the other thing I want first time home buyers to think about is it won't always be like this and they're going to be able to refi yeah find a home they love that they want to build their life in that they currently can qualify and carry the cost of and it's going to be okay mm-hmm. in a year year and a half's time they're going to be able to refi to a lower rate. That's one thing I, I like them to to really focus on. That just because it is doesn't mean it will always be. Yeah, what's here now is not permanent. Yep, that's right. And then there's one other product that we recently launched, which is an interesting one, available in Texas, your home market in in all the states, which is a renovation mortgage product. Okay, where we'll finance the purchase of a home, Mm-hmm. and then if it needs a little TLC, maybe a little renovation. Will help bring a, a general contractor together with the real estate agent for that new home purchase, and will also finance the renovation of that home in one mortgage product with a conventional mortgage rate, which is usually much lower than a traditional right rental loan. So yeah. that's another way to create opportunity for a first-time home buyer. It's eligible to anyone. Yeah, but first-time home buyers find a beat-up house that <laughs> that that we need to renovate. And then we'll do a double loan on it at yeah. the same rate. This is
0: this is something I've talked about a lot of times on the podcast, is I actually think buyers overweight the house itself in their search and underweight like lifestyle factors like neighborhood and location. Because they can't change that, but they can change yep. the house all day long.
1: They can, and proximity in proximity to friends and family. Yeah,
0: yeah. And in great neighborhoods, you can tear yeah. the, I mean, people tear the house down all the time and yep. build yeah, that's not reasonable really for home buyer. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so th- that's a great point to point yeah. out, like you can actually make the house how you want it. Don't get fixated on yep. your dream home, your HDTV home. You have a big picture perspective on the real estate industry. What do you think 2024 looks like?
1: Um 2024, um, I don't see why much is going to change okay. the most popular topics of price and mortgage interest rate. Yeah. Hey, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get this inflation thing under control. And when we do, uh, we'll see rates moderate reasonably quickly, and then we'll see inventory come back to the market. Mm-hmm. The reason why we have high home costs, you well know, is because there are very few listings, and people still are having babies and moving and getting new jobs, and they still want to buy their first home. Knowing the other part, which is rates will come down in time and they'll refi. So until we get inflation under control, it's going to be more of the same. So I suspect it's not uh, in my crystal ball till the second half of next year. We got to get through elections. We got to get through. (laughs) Forgot um, about those. That's going to make for an interesting holiday (laughs) season. We got to probably get into Q one, Q two to see things moderate a little bit. and then, hey, the big story of real estate next year is going to be continual automation and AI, mm-hmm. to make agents and lenders and all the practitioners to amplify them. And we're working on some wonderful, wonderful tools for consumers and our partner agents they are going to amplify them and make them more efficient, and uh, uh, it's the start of, I think, a pretty big journey.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I always think the future is bright, but that's maybe my own mindset but more of the same. Yeah. Sorry. No, I don't know I don't think that's bad. I mean, I don't think we're in a personally like in Texas I don't think we're in a bad market. Yeah. For buyers specifically though, I think the prices are a challenge cuz I don't see them going down.
1: Yeah. Hey, you're in the Dallas Metroplex magic. I call it yeah. magic. <laughs> you've got you've got two interesting things happening. You've got folks building as quickly as they can mm-hmm. and you've got a, a uh, an estate envir- in a city that's it's pretty friendly to development. Yes. If not, rough things would be occurring and uh, rougher things on price. Um, And it seems like Dallas is having its magic moment. What had been the California dream, the great magnet to global talent, seems to some degree to have migrated to Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just hearing from people all over the world and all over the country that Dallas is where they're heading.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of companies are still considering relocations there. Mm-hmm. And it's a diverse economy. There's it's not overweighted towards any one industry. Yep. It's a lot of, yeah. It's a lot of people still moving there.
1: Yeah, hey, the beaches are better in California. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly better. But uh affordability and taxes um are more moderate in, in, in Dallas right now. So yeah. it it draws in folks.
0: It's like Tom Farrow says it's a big weather tax to be in California. There but the weather is great. It is pretty good. Yeah. Now, as a CEO, what's one piece of advice you could give to potential entrepreneurs?
1: Okay, and I'll, I'll, I'll give the same advice to everyone. Less is more. Oh, okay. Less is more. Um, and it's my belief in almost all of our life. Entrepreneurs, in particular, have the challenge of an unlimited number of ideas and less capability than an established company to actually do them. And so mm-hmm. the wisest try to do fewer, more powerful, more forceful things, and put all their resources behind the most important things. We've got a process at Tomo, um, which is whenever we're entering a new area or building a new product, first is we try to sample. We try to sample the strategy. We try to try a bunch of things Kay. with very low scale, very small tests mm-hmm. that cost us little, but will give us a signal on whether customers really want it. <laughs> right. And so we don't spend six months, nine months, a year building software or experience to then unwrap it and hope people show up. We really start to sample first, mm-hmm. get some input off of a hypothesis where we've got we've got passionately held beliefs, but we test them. And when we see positive data, then we forcefully pursue something that we think is large. We try not to spread ourselves too thin, and it is human nature to try. We were talking about yeah. it. It is human nature to try to try everything, then master nothing. Mm-hmm. That is a doom loop for an entrepreneur. And hey, we Elon Musk has popularized um, something that's been around a long time, but uh, he very capably first principle thinking, which is break problems and opportunities down to their basic building blocks and then decide why it's done the way it is, and then rebuild from there. We practice that here, which is if we're gonna fix a mortgage product, so mortgages for first-time home buyers, why are first-time home buyer products done the way they are? Why are the fees the way they are? Why do you have to talk to us? Why can't you apply online digitally at midnight if you don't wanna talk to us? Mm -hmm. We break all those questions down and then we rebuild an experience on top of it that's simpler, faster, ultimately more profitable for us. Yeah, I want every entrepreneur to always keep that in the back of their mind that uh, unlimited possibilities will snare you.
0: Yeah. It is cool that anything is possible, but if we give our attention to everything, it's a real trap. Right? <laughs> I could tell a lot of personal stories there, but we won't. One of my favorite topics is talking about Texas, and you, you touched yeah. on it just a moment ago. Uh, I think Texas and and Dallas was one of the areas you guys launched in. That's right. What was your reasoning for
1: that? Yeah. Hey, the I call it the magic in in Dallas uh, and in Texas in general, but, but 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 Dallas for certain. Houston's dynamic too. Austin great. Yeah. Um, is is this we've got one of, one of the one of the nation's biggest cities that's having a moment of dynamic growth. Okay. I always love starting a, a a business or a product a, a new business in an area that's growing that is demanding of help and service and hungry for new ways of doing and you 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 drive around you walk around i don't know if anyone walks in Dallas but you're, <laughs> well not during the summer yeah you drive around and everywhere you look right and left there's new yeah right and there's more and that's an environment you want to build a business in because it's welcoming of new ways. yeah. So that's what attracted us to, to Dallas and okay. Texas. And, I, and I, I try to get there w- once a month or once every other month.
0: Yeah, I think you said you've been there 11 times so far this year, yep. <laughs> which is a lot of tricks. Yep. When you go, what are, your, what are your favorite places to go?
1: What are my favorite places to go? To eat, to party, to stay? Well, I guess all, all of the above. You know, it's interesting. I don't have a hotel in Dallas. I'm still hunting for my hotel. Okay. Um, but I'm a barbecue guy. And this is gonna be way out there, and I'm sure you have good ones. There's an unbelievable barbecue place in Argyle, Texas, Uh-huh. that I went and, is it 401? Is it, is it 401? It's 401, yeah. Oh my God, one of the greater meals. And it feels very country, too, like yes. you're kind of, you're not around a bunch of stuff. That's right. Yeah. It, it feels like real, unbelievable barbecue, and I had one of the most gluttonous meals <laughs> with some friends there, my friend Chris Lowe, uh, uh, maybe a year ago. That's probably my favorite meal in Dallas so far. Okay, wow, a 401 barbecue. Yeah. What did you get? Everything. Uh, oh, there you go. We, we, went, we were with, I, I think we were with three or four of us, mm-hmm. and 401 doesn't overcharge ya. So I think we got almost every entree, and we did a, a sampling among us. Wow. And it is one of the great that barbecue is part places. Of the, yeah, I mean, Texas, you've been to
0: a lot of cities. I, I typically don't order barbecue when I'm not in Texas, because I yeah. just think ours is the best. Are there any things you like to do or activities you've done while you're there?
1: Yeah, hey, I'm there to work. Yeah. I'm there to work. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I, I, you know, my friend, our friend, Tom Ferry has an office there. I'm there quite a bit with Tom and, and uh, with builders and developers and yeah. on job sites. And I was walking, I was walking in development uh, a few weeks ago in an 105 degree days, and I love it. Yeah. Um, pretty innovative um a pretty innovative development by this innovative builder called NetZ. Okay. Um, who were building steel frame houses in a factory, and they claimed to be able to go from cement pad to built house in like 35 days. Wow. And uh, a really in- impressive product. Um, and I was out with a, my friend, the developer. Okay. Uh, walking, and he's got a, I wish I remember the name of it, but he's got a, a, a new community. We're going to hook, hook you up with him. He's got twenty lots coming on oh, the market wow. right now, yeah. so I probably should hook hook you. Yeah, up that'd with him. be great. Yeah. I think
0: development. Well, Texas still has a lot of development potential, and I've always liked that aspect of real estate because you're taking you're making something real, yeah. like you're making something out of nothing. So I have a lot of respect for developers. That's and right, they're at the top of the real estate food chain too. But they create the product.
1: They do. Yeah, they do.
0: Now you launched your own podcast recently. I can did? you tell us about that? Is this okay?
1: Or Can we can we talk about a pot on a pot? I'm not, I'm not yeah. stepping in your territory. Of
0: course. Yeah, no, I want to hear about it. Well, I've
1: listened to all the episodes. so oh,
0: thank you. But our audience, they, they probably want to hear about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's called the Goats of Real Estate. Okay. Um, at Tomo, we call ourselves Goats, greatest of all teams. Okay. Because we're humble. We don't say greatest of all time, we say greatest of all teams. And, and hey, real estate is a really, really uh, human driven business, entrepreneurial business. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some of the greatest characters I've ever met in my life are the <laughs> folks I've met in the real estate industry yeah. across multiple generations. I consider you one of the great characters, uh, thank too. Thank you. By <laughs> the way. Really interesting people. <laughs> and I learned so much from folks. So I want to share these wonderful conversations mm-hmm. that I have at dinners with my friends and, and people I want to be my friends um, with other folks. And with I get this question all the time. Um, from younger folks starting out in, in this business or other business, how do I succeed? What's the difference between two people who are reasonably bright, mm-hmm. reasonably motivated? Why does one succeed and the other doesn't? And these are fundamental questions that I've been pondering my whole life as well. I've read, I have not counted it, I probably need to do, certainly more than 500 biographies. Wow. Um, a biographer. I w- read one thing. I read about political leaguers. Uh, military leaders and business people, and a few sports people on occasion, Uh, and I'm searching for a truth, right? Mm -hmm. And the truth I'm searching for is, why do certain people with not dissimilar capability win at their chosen profession or path, and others who are just as smart, capable, seem not to accomplish the same great things? Mm -hmm. And there are some things common in all these people's stories. And so what I'm trying to do with the goats podcast, frankly, is go through my friends or my new acquaintances stories to see why they changed what is a massive 1. 1.2 trillion dollar business? Yeah why have they been able to accomplish things to a greater exponential degree than others? Okay And those are some of the more interesting things to explore in life, I think. for sure.
0: Yeah. From the auto, well, we don't want to give away the secrets of the podcast, but now yeah. I'm curious what the what the differentiators are.
1: Oh, I'll always talk about it. It's okay, p- it's pretty simple, and it's common in every one of our stories, mom or dad. Okay, and it's usually sorry said with love, mom and dad. Dad called me about this the other day. <laughs> mom or dad screwed us up in some way that gave us the drive to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. When most humans become uncomfortable in a topic they stop
0: because it's
1: called survival. Yeah, Some folks will break through those barriers of discomfort because there's something driving them from mom or dad that made them unsatisfied that keeps driving them forward. Yeah. And every one of us probably, when you get on the couch metaphorically, have that in them. Hey, if you're willing to, in my case, fly to Dallas on a 140-degree day, on two days' notice and disrupt my life and <laughs> do a round trip in a day. Um, there's something a little crazy about that uh, and unnecessary, but that's what it takes. You jumped on a plane to do this pod, and maybe you're seeing other folks who are doing other things because you're committed to your business and to the people that listen. Mm-hmm. There's something that drives you harder than most people will, right? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it mom or is it dad? Maybe dad, a little bit. Tell me about dad.
0: Well, I, 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 my family is, I would say your average, I had a great childhood, I average yeah. middle class family. Um, but there's I, something, I, there's always another level, something that I come to realize in in life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if it came from home or not, but somehow in my earlier life experiences, I'm always thinking there's another level
1: here. Yep. Hey, it, it, it's it's not one prescription yeah in in my case if i want to hit it at super loving parents super supportive parents great parents but what was programmed into all the kids in my family was never to be satisfied mm-hmm. ever and there's always a higher level like you're saying in my parents parenting philosophy was good job but yeah, <laughs> And if there was a compliment, there was a but afterwards. And that'll make you a little crazy. Yeah. Like this fellow right here um, with a lifetime of us. So I find that common to many of the most successful, wealthiest, or accomplished school teachers. It's not about money. It's about being at the top of whatever your choosing, mm-hmm. chosen professor or competition is. Military. I have a dear friend who's... Um, Tim, who's a, a wonderful prosecutor in the Bronx, doesn't care about money. He cares about doing good. Mm-hmm. He's a, a fine, sharpened criminal justice fighter for, for, you know what I mean? Yeah. For, for victims. Um, there's something that drives these people to go farther, and it's some little disorder in them yeah. <laughs> that makes them unsatisfied.
0: Yeah. So if they want to listen, The Goats of Real Estate That's right. is the podcast. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being here today. I really yeah. value your time and your friendship. Was there anything you wish we'd cover or anything else on your mind?
1: I think I think we had a good good journey here. Okay. I had a ton of fun doing this great, with you. Great, thank you. Yeah. And uh you're fun in person and you're fun behind a mic. <laughs> um and I'm and I'm proud of the business you've built. Yeah, so, thanks, Greg. Yeah. Great yeah. to do this. We're
0: excited to see where Tomo goes this year. Thank you. Have you been thinking about moving to North Texas? Maybe you're looking in Plano, Dallas, Frisco, or the surrounding communities. Each year, our team helps dozens of families make the move to Texas. We'd love to help you begin your journey. Learn more on our website at HastingsRE.com. That's H-A-I-S-T-I-N-G-S-R-E.com.